0: And look again at faith and just this continuation of faith. Because as we looked at last week, faith is one of the core three elements that we need if we're going to pursue and live in this reality that God is calling us into. Because when Jesus turned up on earth, he said, My kingdom is at hand. Okay, so he brought heaven. With him, he brought his reality with him to earth. So it's not about going to heaven because heaven came to earth. So often in the body of Christ, we can be waiting for heaven, missing the fact that heaven actually is on earth because God's spiritual domain, his kingdom, came with him. That's why he says, You need to repent, for my kingdom is at hand. You need brand new thinking because your thinking is skew-iffy because you're still looking up, waiting for heaven, when you should be seeing heaven on earth. So I need to give you a brand new mindset. I need to give you the way I think. I need to give you my mind because you can be waiting for something that already has arrived. The time has been fulfilled. There is a time that is. It's now, he said to the woman in John 4, she said, the Messiah's coming. He said, I'm here and I've brought my reality with him. To which she went away and said, could he be the Messiah? Well, he just told you he was the Messiah. Why are you asking, could he be the Messiah? Because the spirit had not yet been poured out. So she couldn't hear the reality of what was being declared, which means she had no faith. Because faith is based on a hearing of a spiritual word. So when Jesus spoke the spiritual word and said, your kingdom is, I'm here, I am the Messiah. She couldn't hear it, which means she couldn't see him as the Messiah. So she went and said, maybe he's arrived, Sam. Instead of knowing, because he told her, did he not in plain English, but in Hebrew, Aramaic, it was clear. And this is the thing, this is why we need faith, because faith sees into the invisible. So we're to be a people who live by the invisible, not the seen. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 5 7 says? We don't live by what? We don't live by natural sight. We live by spiritual sight because we see a spiritual domain on this earth. And so often if you're just drawn to what's natural, you'll be led astray because your natural senses, your natural sense of being will start discerning what it looks like and try and add one and one to equal four and it never will work. So when one of the spirit comes and starts to speak to you about spiritual things and spiritual realities and spiritual words, spiritual thoughts, you'll be like, okay, what? Huh? Oh, they said this. No, they said this. Okay, so it's essential. We are a people of faith. It's, it's, it's not even a negotiable. It's an essential. It's like air. And so we need to know what it is, and we can't confuse it with trust, because we said this last week, we've confused trust and faith. And so somehow faith in modern Christianity what I hear, it's, it's almost like this thing that your hope's going to come in. It's like I have a hope that God's going to come through for me rather than I have an absolute assurance and certainty that I know. One's full of confidence. The other one is a bit iffy-wiffy. Oh, I don't know. Is it going to happen? Oh, my goodness. So the Bible says that in accordance to the promise that Abraham got, he did not waver in unbelief, even though he looked at his natural body and went, How is a child going to come out of a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman? See, if you hear in the natural, see in the natural, you write off the spiritual and you'll be in unbelief. But he didn't waver in unbelief. Why? Because he heard a word and the Bible says he had faith, so he saw that reality being outplayed and Isaac is born. But if we lean on what's natural, if we lean and take our P's and Q's and our leading from what's natural, we'll get in a lot of trouble. And we'll end up going the wrong way or not entering into life in Christ. So that's how essential this thing called faith is, and it's essential we know a biblical version, not our version. It's not what Greg thinks. It's not what you think faith is. It's not what Greg feels it is. It's not what you feel it is. It's what it is. And there's only one version of it, just like there's only one version of him, amen? So open up to Galatians 2.20, and I'm just going to read this passage reasonably quickly, Because this is Paul, and Paul went from being a man of unbelief to a man of faith. So what greater man is there to write about faith than Paul? So he says these and we will not probably know this passage I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who gave up who loved me and gave himself up for me I have been crucified It's a statement. My will, crucified, dead. I no longer live from my will. From my will, trying to determine everything. It got crucified the day I received Christ as my Savior. That's what happened to the man because the Christ came into him, within him. The gospel message, the work of the gospel, the man received Christ. Not words about what Christ did. He received Christ himself, which crucified his will. I no longer live. Okay, now how do I now live? Well, let me tell you, I live by faith in a person. Okay, so the righteous, Paul was made right that day, was he not? The righteous shall live by faith. So it's a statement. It's not a suggestion. It's a statement. God's saying, My people who are right, who I make right, live by the substance called faith. This reality and faith sees the unseen. Faith knows things that's contained and concealed in the Christ. So Paul is saying, I was crucified. I no longer live the life I now live on earth is a different life and it's going to be defined through faith. But it's faith in someone. It's not faith in what I determine, it's not faith in something, it's faith in this person called Jesus Christ who all things have come through. And so everything that we need is concealed within the Christ. He is the concealed realm waiting for us, and he's going to reveal himself. Tracking with me? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it is the glory of kings to search out what's concealed, which means it's a bit like hide and seek. What's the purpose of hide and seek? To find what you're looking for. You too wrote a song about it. They still haven't found what they're looking for, But in 1997, I found what I was looking for in the person. I've continued to come into life that is concealed because it's the glory of God to conceal. It's the glory of God to hide things. He hides things looking for a people who will seek. He looks for a people that will go deeper into the things where he hides them to reveal them to us. Why would he do that? Because God is looking for something very specific. He's looking for a very specific kind of people. He's looking for a very specific kind of faith. Kind of. And the seed produces after its own kind, doesn't it? We know that in the natural. So there is a word that goes forth, there is a seed, and this seed produces after its own kind. So what is contained in the seed will produce the life of its kind. Tracking with me? So a mustard seed produces the kingdom life. You know, he said to his disciples, you guys have no faith. When he walked with them, he said, you got little faith or no faith. So they said, increase our faith. He said, no, it doesn't happen that way. Sounds very right, doesn't it, Sam? Increase our faith. No, it doesn't happen that way. It comes through hearing. Hearing my word, not for me just doing a zap. Hearing the reality of what I say because I've given you the spirit because you're a people of a spiritual kingdom which is invisible on the earth but fully visible to you all because you're of my kind. You have faith in me. Have you got any... Thoughts on that verse, mate. Oh, okay, all right. Well, we're going to move from that verse to um, one, a uh, two Peter one. So if you want to go to two Peter one, and then I'll let Sam at you. <laughs> um, maybe just read this verse out, mate. Two Peter one one. Good morning, everyone. All right. So
1: Second Peter. Chapter one, verse one says, "Simon Peter, a bond and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind of ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord." Do you want to keep going, or we just read that verse? Um, yeah, it's just one. To those who have received a faith of the same kind. As ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a powerful, powerful little verse, eh? Hey? You know, um, and I think, like Greg was saying, I feel like quite a common misconception in modern day Christianity is that faith means blind belief. You know, that you. To to be a person of faith means that you believe in an invisible God and kind of just whatever people say goes and you just go along with it and you don't really know the you don't really know anything. There's nothing to to found it on, but um, you're just you're just a believer, that's what you are. But actually the, the way that um, that that the scriptures define faith is that it's actually something completely different than that. You know, it says that faith is the conviction of the things that are unseen. And so faith, like like Greg was saying, is not it's not blind belief. It's actually a living conviction where you receive the substance um, of of Christ in you to a measure where you are convinced, but but you're convinced not because of what you've seen with your physical eyes or heard with your physical ears or because you've got an intellectual ability to reason your way through the scriptures and through the creation of the world and prove everyone wrong while the Big Bang is not correct. And actually, we, like, we're not talking about that at all. That Almost all of that just gets parked to the side because it says here, to those who have received a faith, to those who have received through the Word of God, the ability to see something unseen, have a conviction inside them that goes goes beyond any kind of facts, figures, or man's arguments, or anything that someone could persuade you into. Because if someone can persuade you into something, someone else who's much more smart and intelligent can persuade you out of it. So... What, what Peter here is saying is that you need something much bigger than that. It's called faith. It's living conviction. It's Christ revealing to you the reality of who he is in such a real and living way that you're convinced not because someone's taught you, but because you've been taught by God himself, by the Holy Spirit, Spirit bringing to light who God is inside of you. Eh? So it's a very different A very different reality um, than what you might hear faith talked about in in day to day and I think this is why Peter um, says you know it's it's not those who have some sort of faith it's to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours so I don't know Greg if you did you want to touch on what what's this kind of faith that that Peter's talking about
0: In the next passage we look at, it talks about faith of the Spirit. So it's a spiritual faith. What I find fascinating about Peter is that Peter was told by Jesus that he had little faith. Now he's writing about a kind of faith that he's come into that he didn't have. I find that fascinating. Even the way he addresses himself, he addresses himself as a bondservant and an apostle. Okay, remember, this was the guy that was in Christ's face. This was the guy that wasn't a bondservant. He was anything but a bondservant in the Gospels. He needed to be broken to become a bondservant. So he needed the spirit of pride that was in him that thought he could go where Jesus was going, to be broken before this reality. He can even write this stuff. So here's a guy that doesn't really know what faith is because he's being told you have no faith, and the disciples, to a guy that's now writing about faith. And it's God's book, so God obviously sees he's come into a kind of faith that has always been available, which has been written down so we know, because that's Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the kind of faith he's talking about is the kind that's well, it's written. Let me write it down so you know, so there's no guesswork in this. I don't want my people guessing. I don't want them coming into their version of stuff because behind my version is my life. So he, it's a kind, it's right. Well, he says to you, faith is the assurance, the assurance of what you hope for and the conviction of the unseen. And so through this, this is changing Peter. So Peter's writing, I'm now a bondservant. I'm, now in a, I, I, I'm, I'm coming from a completely different reality because I've got the same kind of ours which came, comes through righteousness. So you see how righteousness, now we're back there again, linking the righteous shall live by faith because the faith comes through righteousness, but in who? Of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. So everything comes out of the person. Not one thing of life comes, you know, come, doesn't come from him. So the faith comes from righteousness. If you don't know how right you are in the spirit, not mentally, spiritually, through a spiritual encounter where you are shown through revelation. My sin no longer holds me back. My old life doesn't get in the way, no. My present doesn't get in the way, no. My future, no, none of it. I died for all of it. When you can see it, when you confess it before me, so live a life of faith, live a life of freedom. Because it comes from the righteousness. If you don't know how right you are, you're probably not going to be in faith because it comes out of spiritual righteousness, spiritual faith, spiritual hearing. It's a kind. And unfortunately what we've done, because sometimes in the body, we're trying to come in through the mind, we then create a version of a reality which is empty. And so we go, we live by faith, but what we're really saying is we live by this wishful hope that it's going to come to part, rather than knowing what I know that I know that I know that I know. So this may be the faith we have today, is we know, without a shadow of any doubt, that Jesus is God, and he rose and died, and he is who he says he is. I'd hope if we're a follower of Christ, that's our launching pad. You can't have faith and please God. So, God has to give us a measure of this where you know that you know that you know. No one can argue out of it, what I'm talking about. So, what Sam said, no smart person can come along and argue out of that knowledge. You may not be able to describe how you know that, but you know it because it's happened in you. And because it's not an intellectual exercise, you just go, I'm sorry, mate, but I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm His. Okay, now that's the start. But what about what's in him? If I was to bring you up here and go, right, share with me about every promise that you know like that that's in Christ, that's where faith is to have more and more. See, we're to grow in faith. We're to grow in the knowledge of everything that's contained in the person, because Colossians 2.2 2 says that every wisdom and every aspect of knowledge is in Christ. Every mystery, he's the mystery, and every mystery is contained in the Christ. So we're to have faith in the entirety of what's finished as we grow. See, this is what it means when he says, come to me and learn, so you grow in faith. No longer just a mustard seed, as powerful as a mustard seed is, we're talking about pumpkin seeds. We're talking about pumpkin size. We're talking about mass seed now. Because faith, we know what this thing called faith is because it's spirit and it produces after its own kind through hearing. And so this whole dimension that we're talking about is opened up in front of me. But it's invisible to the natural. The natural man cannot appraise the spiritual kingdom. He thinks it's foolishness. But to the church, it's like, oh, my goodness. Have you partaken of that place yet? Yeah, man, it's amazing. And we can have a dialogue in faith because we can both talk about the food source that we're eating in Christ. But you can find someone else come along and go, what? What? And maybe even think we're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? And see, in that moment, God's looking to see if there's a hunger and a thirst for something one doesn't know. Is there a hunger and a thirst being generated in the spirit of a person for something that they've got no reference for because they haven't yet seen it and yet two people are dialoguing about it, eating it, and being changed from it because we're all called to be one? And so this faith, is it's spirit, it's of the spirit, it's of God, and we can only enter into it and know what it is through God, the Holy Spirit. And so he writes it down, and um, 2 Corinthians will probably look a bit at that.
1: To me, it, it reminds me of, of the, the Narnia series, you know, there's a wardrobe, and that through stepping into this wardrobe, you're stepping into another world, you know, and it's another realm, but but what this really is is not, it's not another planet it's actually another realm that's within you you know and so f- faith is the ability to see what's unseen and to live from that unseen realm within you you know and I personally feel that we feel quite comfortable with that in, in a lot of normal things you know whenever you watch a movie, you you step if you are engaging in that movie, you step into another realm with that. With, with, with that film crew and and what it is is this is why you know like movies and entertainment are so captivating is because they've got the ability to make you think a certain way and feel a certain way you get caught up in the emotion and the romance and the the trauma and the whatever it is that that's going on it's got the ability to to make you see and think and feel a certain way and you know, how much more in this modern day and age, we not only do we have movies, we've got video games, we've got music, everything is so stimulating to our natural senses, but yet the Scriptures declare an eternal reality that's for us to enter into that goes beyond our natural senses. And so, like, to me, this is the power of the Gospel that not only is God looking to make you— to To, to give you an emotional feeling for a time or to make you feel a certain way. He's looking to bring you into his reality that instead of feeling, you know, you don't need to come back and forth. You don't need to come to an altar call to, to have it, to receive a feeling of God because you're living from the reality of the eternal kingdom within you. And I think more and more as the days get darker and We move into this time of entertainment and technology, people are being moved and stimulated by natural things which aren't wrong, but we need to receive something that's bigger than that. You know, as the church, we need to offer something that's more than entertainment. We need to to be able to offer and live from the eternal substance, the eternal life of God that's bigger than all of those things, you know? And I was just thinking as we were looking at these verses, um, it remind, reminded me of First Corinthians. You know, it says this: He says, um, This is Paul. Um, uh, and he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God you know so Paul's saying here that there's that there's a faith that's available but that the faith that we have what we see is not to rest on man's wisdom it's not to rest on wise and persuasive words it's not to rest on feelings it's not to rest on emotion it's to rest on the power of God because if our faith if our knowledge of God rests on what we've been taught or intellect if it if it rests on an emotional feeling that we have, then as soon as someone p- comes with another persuasive argument or as soon as those feelings go away, as soon as the music stops and the lights go down, what we're resting on, we find, is, is nothing. But Paul's saying here, I, I received the gospel not in that way. I received the gospel through this Different kind of faith. I received the substance of God. It came not in wise and persuasive words, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He's not talking about miracles. He's talking about the the the, the power of Christ within him. That he received faith. He received revelation that was more convincing than any argument or any emotion or any feeling. He received Christ in him. And that goes far and beyond any of these natural things.
0: So. Paul's life is the testimony of the faith he's in. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, so often we try, to, we try to figure out what he's sort of saying and we miss what he's really saying. Mm-hmm. So like his letters are describing his testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and so often, see, this is what happens when, when we only have eyes for the natural. We, we look in the complete wrong place. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking your P's and Q's from what happens on the earth, you're looking in the complete wrong place. Mm -hmm. And you'll respond to what's happening on the earth and get caught up and start getting involved in things of the earth when we should be getting involved in things of this kingdom. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying we don't, if we're being led that way, to have a role in certain things, but what tends to happen and what I see a lot of is we get very caught up in what's right in front of us. It's the urgency It screams the loudest, ah, give that your attention. Mm. Whatever's making the loudest noise on the earth gets your attention. Mm. And God over here is whispering. Mm. And look this way. What's in this unseen realm? Mm. But you can't see the unseen, you can only see the seen. Mm. Well, that's that's where all the delusion and the deception is going to be. Because he says, because I don't come in a form, don't make an image of me because you can't see me. You've got to hear me. Deuteronomy 4 started right back then. A warning, watch yourselves because you haven't seen me that you don't make a form of me in your image through what you look at. So you've got to be able to hear me to see me because I'm invisible. That's a problem, isn't it? See, can you see the church's problem? So we have to recognize the problem. We have to acknowledge the problem. Because until we do that, how can we enter into this other reality that Paul is in? Because as Sam said, he's coming and Guys, my life is the demonstration of the power of God. Look at who I was. Everything was rubbish, but compared to this new knowledge I have through power, there's no way I can live as Paul from who I was as Saul. Saul is a demonstration of a man who had no faith. Paul is a demonstration of a man who had now faith in Christ, but Saul thought he would have had something in God because he had the law, but his life was going the complete opposite way because he wasn't. And he's telling you this in his letters. Because it's him. He's been there, done that, got the stamp. That's what gives him the authority to write it and to then deliver it, and God allows it. Mm. And so there's this dynamic. He goes, you can't enter into what I'm talking about through man's wisdom. Mm. That's right. Mm. It is God has concealed it from man's wisdom. Mm. Mm. Now, you either have come to the place in your life where you go, yes and amen. Well, you're still struggling with that, going, no, I don't believe that in the spirit. But your life will tell you where you're at. So if Paul's life was telling him where he was at, and God's looking, that means my life tells me where I'm really at, doesn't it? My ability to live like Paul is determined by where I'm really at. And I'm in the same kind as Paul, because it's not 10 kinds. Isn't it Paul that said, imitate me, Greg? As I imitate the Christ. So if that same Paul says, Greg, don't rest your wisdom on your ability to find it, can you see the link? But on the power, because unless you're in what I'm in, Greg, you'll never imitate me. So you won't be able to do what I've actually told you to do because you're not in the same kind that I'm in. You're still fighting in your own wisdom looking for something that you haven't realized has no life and produces no life. So don't rest your faith on man's wisdom, your ability or anyone else's ability, but on God's power to bring you into a realm that you now see because I give it to you. See, God has concealed himself and everything from us to be discovered but the way to that discovery, God has also got his hands on so we can't go the wrong way. He loves us so much, he's put it all in place and then he gives us the way so we find the life. He's not hiding it for the sake of not finding it. He's hiding it so you find it, but so you don't go the wrong way. But I went the wrong way for 29 years. And then 10 years ago, he came and said to me, son, part of your thinking still going the wrong way. Thanks for showing me, Lord, Because I don't want to go the wrong way. I want to serve you wholeheartedly and run the right way. Thanks for being so loving and patient and kind and gentle with me and holding no wrong against me. Thank you for bearing all things, hoping all things, believing all things in me that I would come to this reality. Where are you at? Right here, I like that. (laughs) You see, it's like, where are we at with the reality we're called for? This is, this is eternal. This is not earthly. God has been speaking an eternal message for 10 years here, not earthly messages, eternal messages, hidden in the unseen. And the Holy Spirit's been waiting to bring to light and to life the things that are freely given for us as the church. The eye has not yet seen, ear hasn't heard. It has not yet entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. That, see, that's, I need faith to see what's in that my eye hasn't seen yet, my ear hasn't heard, my heart yet hasn't I need faith. I need to know what that stuff is and receive it so I can live from it. That's the only thing that's going to enable me to live an eternal life on earth above all the rubbish that's on the earth. When my life is possibly going to be called upon, how What am I going to have within me that says, no, I'm not choosing that, I'm choosing this? It won't be wishful thinking, and it won't be what I think I know. It'll be the substance of God in me that's coming through faith that enables me to demonstrate something that's greater than the earth. Well, that's about the people of faith in Hebrews 11 I read. These people went to their death praising. They were prepared to give up what they had, so no one went without Not because someone told them, because the faith in them propelled an action of Christ-likeness. Because they were of the same kind of Christ. This is how singular this is. See how man's opinions can't be anywhere near what we're talking about. You don't need to know what I think. You need to know what he says. And what I say better be what he says. Otherwise I'm held accountable for that. So I won't say anything that's not through revelation otherwise it's me not him and that does you and me no good that's huge what I just said <laughs> it's massive you need to hear from the word of the Lord you need the word of the Lord not Sam or Greg so Sam or Greg and whoever speaks better be in the Lord because we're all losing if we're not you need a word that's going to grow you of a kind of faith that grows faith in you. And I need to have found that reality, be able to speak that reality to you so we're of one order and one kind that produces one mind, one love, one spirit, one purpose. If there's a fault in any of that, we're in two.
1: I think at the, and at the end of the day, there's an accountability for those who are sharing, but there's also an accountability you know for all of us hey you know and I think to me it's like the way that that God has set this up is he's he's so smart that he's not going to entrust himself to man he said the only way that you can enter into this is not through man it's actually through the Holy Spirit you know and that even as we as as we share here you know to me as a teacher what I find the, the biggest danger is in articulating what what, is, what I see in the unseen realm or bringing to light different typologies and pictures, is that I would share with you something that actually makes sense to your mind but doesn't necessarily bring you into the living revelation and conviction of what that truth is in the spirit. Does that make sense? So, for example, we look at a verse that talks about hate, you know, which has so many misconceptions and people thinking here, there and everywhere and we start to use typologies, and all of a sudden it starts to make sense. Oh, I get, I get that. I get the typology. I get that God is looking for a set-apart people, a people for his own possession. But just because you now have moved from... Confusion to intellectual understanding doesn't necessarily mean you've entered into the kind of faith that he's looking for and that the the eternal promises of God, the promise of the bride of Christ is now so living and so real to you that you have moved from living for you and living for your life to, oh my goodness, my life isn't my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. I've been taken out of darkness and into light. I know what I've been called for. My complete world is now tipped upside down. I don't think Think about my, you know, I'm not living for my career and for my work and for my family and for my picket fence. I'm living for him. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a dramatic difference to even intellectual understanding and grasping the concepts of God and knowing the scriptures and knowing the Bible teachings and being able to quote you the entire Old Testament and to actually you've received a kind of faith you've received a kind of revelation that has moved you and revolutionized your world from the inside out that you go from being one person to a different kind of person through revelation words can't do that you know even the best words can't do that we were looking at prayer on Wednesday morning you know that that Jesus said I have to go away And it's for your benefit that I go, the greatest teacher ever to grace and to walk this earth. Jesus himself, God in the flesh. And he says, it's to your benefit that I go, because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come, and it's his job to lead you into all truth. That even Jesus himself was limited in his flesh to being able to bring someone into revelation now, My goodness, if Jesus was on stage and he's saying, I don't have the capacity naturally and physically to bring you into this, what does that say about our desperate need for the Holy Spirit himself to be our teacher and to bring us into divine revelation that changes us? See, Jesus being on earth wasn't enough for Peter. He was with Peter for three years. And at the end of his life, Peter was... Denying him, trying to persuade him not to go to the cross. Why? Because he had no faith or he had little faith. He didn't have revelation. He didn't see God's eternal purpose. He couldn't see beyond his natural understanding of what a Messiah should be like. God should do this for me. He needed faith. He needed a certain kind of faith. And when he received that kind, when he, when he broke, when he repented, he received a kind of faith that propelled him into a different kind of life. And you see the Peter that's talking here in Second Peter, he says things like this, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace. This is what faith does. It gives you grace. It gives you power on the inside. It gives you peace. The shalom of God. The, it's, it's not just a, a, something that you pray for someone if they've lost a loved one. It's an abiding presence. It means the word literally means the wholeness of God. You've, been, you've gone from being broken to being made whole on the inside. This is the kind of revelation that this man Peter Received, he says, now this also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And he says, if these qualities are yours and increasing, they will, need, they will, neither, uh, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about if you have these things and they're increasing in you, you'll have a doorway open to this eternal kingdom within you both now and in the future. Here's a man who went from having no faith to receiving a kind of faith through revelation because the Holy Spirit himself birthed that revelation on the inside. It's so different, eh? It's so different receiving an intellectual knowledge to receiving a kind of faith that changes you, you know? oh sorry can I share one more thing um <laughs> on Sunday on Sunday night we had a defining moment <laughs> Greg was like all right cool I think we're finished and I said like, well we're finished you know first time write it down in the record books." So I wanted to keep talking Greg wanted to stay quiet <laughs> anyway just want to say one more thing you know in Hebrews 11, which is the underlying passage that we're looking at in this, this faith series, you know, it talks about Noah. And it says that God spoke to Noah about unseen things. And in reverence for what he saw, he built an ark for the salvation of his household. What takes someone in a dry, barren desert where they've never had rain before to building an ark for the salvation? Of their household. Faith. He saw something that was unseen, and the unseen thing was so motivating that his entire life shifted and became a reflection of the thing that he saw in the unseen realm. And so he's saying here that this kind of faith that Peter received, it went from not seeing to denying Christ, to saying that he was going to do something that he couldn't fulfill, to living this new kind of, brand new kind of life, full of grace, full of power, full of the capacity to live from the divine nature within him. What if we were to receive this kind of faith? This is what it does. This kind of faith that has you living differently, not just seeing differently. It starts in seeing differently, but it manifests in living differently. And that's the kind of faith I think that he's looking for us to enter into. Sorry, back to you.
0: Isn't that awesome? Mm. (laughs) um, I'm just going to read 2 Corinthians Corinthians 4.13, and it just sort of cements uh, everything we've said so far. Um, But having, so once again, so that that was Peter, obviously, that that we've been talking about. Now here's Paul. Um, But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed. So what I believe in is in accordance to something that has already been established. And this is the challenge for us, okay, is that Do you believe that the works are finished before the foundations of the earth? Because that's what our faith is to be anchored in. Mm. Mm. So Jesus' works were finished before Mm. it all began. Then he turns up and he starts out working what already was. Mm. So Jesus is working to an already predetermined or destined reality. Hence, he talks to them and he says, did you not know what's written? Did you not know what's written? Did you not know what's written? Know what's written? That it has to happen this way. So Peter, if you're getting in front of my face and chopping off ears trying to protect me from my death, did you not know that it was already written it would be this way? No, he didn't. Now he may have known technically Because technically, maybe they knew Isaiah, Mm. but technically wasn't enough to stop him chopping off ears and getting in the way, was it? That's right. right. You see, what you truly know, what you truly believe, will manifest itself out of you. Mm. Not what you say, but what you actually live is the demonstration of what you really know. And so why is that? Certainly, if Peter knew what had been written in Isaiah he would have been praising, going, yes, you go, Jesus, because until you go, the Holy Spirit can't be sent. So go, because I want the Spirit. No, he's doing the opposite, because he doesn't know what's written, because he doesn't know what has been pre-established before the foundations of the earth, that it must happen this way, and Jesus was operating exactly on the timeline of the Father. So who's out of the timeline? The time has been fulfilled 2,000 years ago. It's time to get into my kingdom, church. It's time for the kingdom of God to be established fully in your hearts and minds. And so you can live this life of faith and see everything that's contained in the Christ, the unseen one, every promise that Corinthians or Peter says is yes and amen in the Lord Amen in the Lord is concealed in a person for you to live a life of faith while on earth, not of fear. It's not a life of fear. It's a life of faith. You see, where faith is, fear leaves. The two cannot hang out together. The greater the faith, the less fear. The greater the faith, the greater the love, because love casts out all fear. Can you see how this is all entangled into one reality? And so he's saying, by having the same spirit, he's saying, Peter, I've got the same spirit of faith as you. We're in one. We're in the same Christ. According to what was written, so it's according to something. Every time you see according, what's it according to? See, it's in accordance to a reality. It's not in Greg what Greg thinks. It's in accordance to what's written. God leaves nothing out. Everything is concealed in accordance to what already is. And if we don't know what already is, thinking it's already not, you're waiting for something to happen that already is. And that's how you get this very sort of like um, weak faith because it's coming. Have you heard that one? The best is yet to come. And then you go the next year, the best is yet to come. or well, the revival's right at the door, right? <laughs> and you're going, when is this thing going to turn up? Because we've been singing this song for 10 years, and every Conference I go to seem to say it somewhere, and it's still, and, and, and well, what happened to the one the year before and the year before, and I'm not trying to take the mickey, but I am trying to make us aware of a reality that's actually fleshly. That's right, that's Okay, right. the best thing came 6,000 years ago, then it came 4,000 years ago, I said the time is fulfilled, I'm here, then it came when he sent the Holy Spirit, I mean it doesn't get any better than now. That's right. Because today's the day of salvation, but did you hear it? Or am I still hearing something else, waiting for something to come? Because that actually fits with my flesh reality rather than my spiritual dimension going, what are you talking about? That's, great, that, that's a cloud with no rain. That's right. that's right. There's no water in that sucker. It's promising everything, but it never rains. I want to get wet. Can someone wash me in the Word, please? I want to get wet. Yeah. Here I am, and, and there's a cloud, and it's, it promises everything but nothing. That's right. And then it's the next day, and and we go on this going, yes and amen, yes and amen, that was an amazing prophecy, and we stay the same. That's right, that's right. Why? Because we're not entering into a realm that's right in front of us like they were when Jesus stood in front of them and said, mate, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why are you asking me about seeing my Father? Me and the Father are the same exact representation of nature. If you've seen me... You've seen him. You should know my father by me. I'm not the father and son. It's one party. That's right. So yes, they are father, son, spirit, but they are one God. So if you've seen us, you've seen us. Yeah. Don't look for this, this, this. We're one and the same thing. Yeah. That's right. See, that's what the mind does. I need a relationship with the father. I need a relationship with Jesus. And I need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. No, you need a relationship with God.
1: That's
0: right. Who is the father, son, spirit. Great, he is spirit. No, 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 you don't understand, Greg. No, 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 no. I know the Father. I just need to know the Son. No, no, this is something different. See, And that's what we do because we want to box God. We want to lay it all out. We want to put it all in a nice little pile so we can control it all. And he's going, what are you doing? See, this faith brings you into oneness. This faith we're talking about propels you into a realm that you just see all the dimensions now and you can see it you see the intricacies of it you see the dynamics you see the complexities but at the end of the day it's simple because S stands for simple and S stands for spirit and the spirit makes everything in the spirit simple but it is very profoundly powerful But to the one who yet can't see because they're not of the same kind of faith because they're still in this wishy-washy thing, it's like, no, it doesn't sound... And so you go with the natural. You will go with what you see in the natural, what sounds right but may not be right. And that's the challenge because the counterfeit is just like the real, but it's not. And so we need this substance, this reality spiritual faith that only the Holy Spirit can bring as he opens up. It's the difference between like if you partook of natural bread and juice and you partake of blood and body, one is very different to the other, isn't it? But what's the reality of the physical supposed to do in you spiritually? So it's it's a foreshadow, isn't it? It's like... You can go through the motions of taking natural bread and wine and never have the life promised in you that Jesus said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have life in you. So you can go through religious ceremony and motions, which is not wrong. He says, do this in remembrance of me, but miss the spiritual dynamic of the whole reality of what's actually we're doing. Because this is a spiritual food. It's it's blood. The life is in the blood it's not me just partaking of some natural product going, uh, oh, well, that's cool. No, there is a dimension far greater than this for us to enter into through him because the faith he's looking for is a faith in what is already established. It's in a kingdom that is already established. It's not faith in something that's not. It is. The testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit in which one prophesies. He has done it. That is the one that one needs to speak forth from, what is done. Because one has a faith for what is done so one can speak testimony, not teach testimony into the air of what is already established in Christ. Because the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything Jesus has done, Is the spirit in which one would speak the prophetic word of God. The living reality comes from what's finished. Not this cloud in the sky with no rainbow. It comes from what is. So how come you don't know what's written, church? Do you know who knows what's written? Who's against you? Do you know who he is? Yeah. So if Satan knows what's written. Hey, Jesus, it's also written this. And Jesus knows what's written, and the church doesn't. Then what do you think the enemy can do to you? If you are a son of God, let's start with your identity and see if you know who you really are. And I'll start there because I know that'll mess you all up. If you have no idea who you are, I'll tell you you're not. And because you don't know you are, you'll believe my words. So you'll believe my seed, you'll believe my kind. That's right. It's called a lie. It's called temptation. You'll believe it, receive it like you'd receive the word, and it will do a work of death in you, not life.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. So if the enemy knows what's written, and they are having a warfare, spiritual warfare over what's written, and he starts with identity to Christ, where do you think it's going to start with you? But Jesus knew what's written. He says, it is written. It is written. It, I know it. I did it. I finished it before it began. Clown. <laughs> and that's how we're ready to respond to him. Because when you know what's written and you know who you are, he comes with his lies, you discern the lie because you know the truth because you're in faith, you're the father of truth and my father's the father of truth, not the father of lies because I know the truth because I have faith to hear and see the truth and the truth has made me free. So when the lie turns up, I recognize it for what it is and I do not give it five seconds of my time. Is that what you got? Is that your best shot? Why? Because I am full of my armor. Who is my armor? Christ. And I'm full of my armor, who is Christ. And my faith is in my armor, the Christ, so I know. This is how powerful we are to be a people of power, a people of substance, a people of faith. More precious than gold, church. This is the faith more precious than gold. So he gives us that as a typology. Well, how precious is gold? How valuable is gold? It's becoming the most valuable commodity on the earth, isn't it? not? So we'd have a faith more precious than that because it comes from the spirit, the same spirit that is one spirit. It's amazing. And we all have an opportunity to enter into it while we breathe. Any thoughts? Questions? Should we go questions. Questions. Anyone got a question? Michelle's got a microphone. Anyone got a question? No. Well, now they're fighting by faith over <laughs> fight the good fight of faith. Yeah, rock, <laughs> to run <get> the race. <laughs>
2: um. Is it on? Yeah. Yep. Um, no, that's been really good to, to um, just the teaching this morning, and um, yeah, but in God's presence has been here in a wonderful way, and I think, as you've been teaching this morning, it's almost for me that um, you know, the substance of faith has been there, and um, so in, I don't know, there's a revelation that there, there, there is substance is something that's real. Something like this chair is substance, um, and it's, in the spiritual it's true as well. So I think the little revelation that I've got is that there's substance, there's good substance and there's bad substance, and you've been talking about the good substance this morning, which is Jesus, and, um, but the bad substance, you also talked a little bit about the bad substance, which is fear, because fear can, is of the enemy and it can shrivel you up. And, and make you smaller, and make you less than what God wants for you, for you. But the um, the good substance is the substance of Jesus in our in our hearts and in our lives. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, okay, what was I going to ask? <laughs> um, just the. I don't know, just the substance that um, Sam talked about was really good. Um, the substance of, uh, was it Noah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In God's faith. Uh, could you give any more elaboration on, on that substance that Noah received from, from God that, um, yeah, prepared him to do what he did? Um, it says that, that God spoke to Noah about
1: unseen things and in reverence he built an ark for the salvation of his household. You know, so so to me it says that that God spoke to him about something that was unseen and in reverence to me, if I was to elaborate it's is that Noah responded, said in reverence. So he responded to what he saw that was unseen, and it had an actual dramatic change in his life, you know. So what he saw spiritually was more motivating than everything that he saw physically because he had reverence for God, you know? So it's a typology of what our, you know, like obviously. Um, I don't know that if there's anyone here who God has spoken specifically to about boat building. You know, it's it's obviously a typology of something that's much greater that that that. Jesus wants to, or the Holy Spirit, to open up the realm to us about what's contained within Christ. You know, it says like Greg was talking to, about the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. So it's a typology that, as He opens the eyes of our hearts to the, this unseen dimension, we start to see and live from the reality that was in Christ. So we've talked about things like righteousness, knowing that we're right with God. We've talked about things like his eternal purpose, the bride of Christ, knowing that we're sons, um, you know, that, to me that's that's what that typology is is all about. So,
0: And it's a beautiful picture of faith and works, hmm. okay, so you know in James it talks about faith and works, and we go, oh, we have faith, and, and we have works, and, and we've got works but we no faith, and we oh, well, which one is it? Oh, oh, oh no, well, I'll just close the book and forget about it, you know. This is a beautiful picture of faith and work. So the works come from faith, from seeing the unseen. And so this is where obedience is all connected. So this is spirit-led obedience to a work that God wanted Noah to do, but God had to show Noah the work. So the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship, which means he's going to build his own house. Okay? It's not that we go off and do his works. It's we are his workmanship. So we are the work of his hands. And as he builds us, then there are predestined works that we will do because as he builds us, he shows us the works that he has predestined for us before the foundations of the earth. Everything I just said and everything Sam said and what is all in the Spirit. So we go, okay, what are these works? Got to go do some works. Let me add them. No, 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 no. Let's stop you right there. And let's actually look at the way in which all this is facilitated because you can't do anything on your own. And apart from me, you can do I'm not looking for any work. Everyone does works. Okay? Non-believers do great works. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for eternal works in alignment to an eternal kingdom and gospel, because I'm the eternal God. If I created it, I can fix it, so I'm not just looking for works. I'm actually looking for a changed heart. That's what I'm really looking for, and a changed person who then flows in an alignment to me and my kingdom, who are one. And so it's a beautiful picture of faith and works happening together. So is Abraham and Isaac. There's another classic, Abraham knows, I said this last week, two things. What does what does Abraham know that enables him to go to kill the boy? He could raise him from the dead, yep. And what's the other one? And the promise. Okay, so he has a knowledge in the unseen realm. Because God spoke, you're going to have a boy, did he not? He looks at his physical body and goes, I'm not wavering because I'm 100. I've got a word from heaven. I've got an eternal word that I heard eternally, and I know it's going to happen because what God says happens in God's time. So I can rest on the power of God to bring that to light, not on my wisdom to try and make that happen. The guy did that, didn't he? Aren't you glad that God restores all things even when we try to make what's spoken happen in our time because we don't want to wait for his time because we're not in faith? See, but God's will will be done. So there's a classic. So we've painted that picture as, oh my goodness, I don't think I ever could have done that. The amount of trust that was needed in God, I probably would have wavered backwards and forwards. That's not what Abraham did. Abraham heard, he had faith, he knew, he acted. Bang, one movement. You, my friend, are the father of faith. That's the power of faith, see? I know that I know that I know. Greg, it's not about the commission, son. Number one, it's about the commandment. Stop leading them to the lost and lead them to me. I had a word from the Lord, and then he showed me. And so that's what happened, hasn't it? We've not looked back in 10 years. We still love the lost. We still want to reach out for loss, but it's not my number one primary position. Mm. Yep. Loving me and loving people. So then you can actually love people mm. like I love people. Mm. And so I had a word that burst forth sight. Mm. I could see it. Mm. Change happened. Obedience. Mm. We're going this way. Mm. Yep. Mm. And this is what all this is mm. yep. Yep. just a continuation of the same because God's building a people of substance and the substance of substance in himself so we can see and live from every promise and the personhood of Christ. My words are spirit and they are life. The flesh profits you nothing. So behind those words is a reality waiting for us to know within us. Here and here And then you just live out that reality And that's the beauty of obedience That's why it's not hard Because the obedience comes from revelation It's not I'm having to try to uh, uh, uh. It's like let me show you Noah Because all these guys are going to think you're crazy So let me show you what's going to trump Man's wisdom And man's mindsets When they think you're a nutter I'm going to show you something that will be more powerful than that, which enables you to resist that when this comes at you and then you're ready and then not. So get yourself ready, because I'm coming.
1: And you know, the, the theme, you know, of, of this series conform to his image, you know, like like when we talk about receiving a word, we're not necessarily just talking about an individual word for you. You know, God has spoken, and He says that. we Imagine if you if you're hearing about what it means to see and to receive through faith and revelation. Even this, just this one promise, you know, that He's predestined us to become conformed according to the image of the Son. Imagine if we had a living, deep conviction that's come by the spirit of this one thing alone you know that God has predestined us to become conformed to his image and his likeness imagine what we what we would look like you know um, and so it's 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 powerful when you receive through faith and through revelation the things that have been written and spoken Him. Hey? So. cool thanks Terry for your question uh, and we'll have some more time for questions next week Um, So Father, I just thank you for what you've been doing here this morning. Father, I thank you um, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit who's the only person that can bring us into this kind of faith and this revelation that we've been talking about. Father, I thank you for your absolute goodness towards us, that your heart is so for us, that you're so willing to give us revelation, particularly Father, when our hearts are hungry and positioned before you. Um, Father, I thank you for your mercy um, for, for those who even that aren't hungry, that you still long to, to bring in um, into to this, um, this heavenly eternal realm, this revelation place. Um, so, Father, we pray um, that you'll seal um, what it is that's been spoken this morning, and like um, that the seed that gets deposited in us, that it would bear eternal fruit within us. Uh, we pray this in your awesome name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Have a great day.